My name is Ashley, and this is Let's Talk Dispatch. You're going to do it. Do it really well. And I believe the world needs more dispatchers. So on this show, with the help of my guests, we will educate, empower, and support the heroes behind the headset. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Dispatch here on my channel, The Raspy Dispatcher. Very excited today to bring another guest with some great experience in the dispatch realm in regards all the way from Scotland. Um, They created a company called Emergency Locate, and they are currently still involved in strategic operations management for ambulance services over there. This is Nick Sutton, everybody. Hi, Nick. How are you doing? Great, thank you. How about yourself? I am okay. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you for joining me all the way from Scotland virtually. I'm super excited to make this connection with you. Yeah, it's awesome. Really, really good of you to have me and I'm looking forward to your your conversation and questions. Awesome. So just tell me a little bit about your journey in emergency services and how you got started (laughs) and what all that looks like. Okay, sure. So um, I, I joined the uh, the emergency services back in 2004 uh, in Manchester, England, and uh, started my journey as a as a call handler. So processing the incoming 999 calls as they are here in the uh, here in the UK. Um, <clears throat> I found that re- a really interesting role, as you'll all be able to relate to dealing with the public and. Um, predominantly, well, we, we worked in a in an ambulance control centre, so it was all all medical calls. Um, and uh, really enjoyed helping those people and uh, providing you know, what could have been or, and what was in certain instance, instances uh, life-saving advice over the phone until the until the responders got there to, to take over. Um, so I did that for a few years and then progressed to, to dispatch and then training and into management after that. So all in all, it's around 18, 19 years altogether that I've worked for the emergency services here in the, uh, here in the UK. That's so awesome. So you guys, like you said, it's nine 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 over there um, in the UK compared to our nine one one dialing service. And for the medical side of things, are you guys using a system that is prompting your questions as well, or like how does that how does your systems work over there? Sure. So th- there's two main systems for call triage in, in the UK. Um, one of them is um, NPDS and the ProQA software, which I'm sure. It's familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it came from the states, so I'm sure mm-hmm. you're uh, sure you're familiar with it. And the other one is um, is software that we've that's been developed by the government and the NHS, which is called Pathways, which takes a um, a much more clinical approach to to call triage. In fact, you 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 need to be a clinician to actually be licensed to to use that. So there's much mm-hmm. more by the way of training and um, qualifications compared to some compared to ProQA. Excuse me. Having said that, ProQA is is by far the most um, the most common software that's used over here in the UK. So awesome! I didn't even realize that there were programs out there in general that uh, in the dispatch world that require that level of training, which I think is valid and more training the better, right? Yeah, sure. But certainly in the UK, I guess the the centres that there in, in in the US. We are predominantly um, single service centers, so we mm. don't do very much co-location at all. All of our, all of the incoming 999 calls are picked up by a firm called uh, BT, British Telecom. 
So you speak mm-hmm. to an operator, the operator will ask you which service you require, and then you'll be passed to the relevant service for the area that you're within. And then a call handler will triage a call. Typically, call handling is separate to dispatch as well. So mm-hmm. you'll have two people that are, that are looking at the same incident, one person on the line with the caller, inputting the answers to the questions of the triage and a dispatcher who's using the, the CAD system and the radio to share that information with, with the responders as well. Awesome. And are your guys, are you guys dual trained or do you typically apply for one or the other and do that for that whole entire shift? So certainly when I started, you'd start as a call handler or telecommunicator and um, sort of progress to dispatching uh, because it was paid slightly more. And these days, there are more direct pathways straight to dispatching without having to do the, the, the call handling side of things. Um, but I'd say there's there's mixed mixed results as to how um, how well those um, direct entry dispatchers uh, take to the job. Because in my experience, it's much better to have a couple of years of call handling under your belt to understand what information the responders actually need before you before you start your dispatch journey. I, I definitely agree. I think one thing that um, in my journey, we did call taking first and then we went on to radio training because um, we were dual trained in my center. And one thing I remember, I remember freaking out about radio, like being super nervous to talk on the radio and, um, you know, have people hear me, have my officers hear me. Um, but what I found is that the difference between my first day on radio and my first day call taking was so drastically different because I had already been exposed to so much, you know, uh, high priority things on the call taking side that when they came in and I had to dispatch them or when they were on viewed because I worked police um, and I had to just go with it. My, my level of anxiety was lower because it's, it's, it's the same. It's like riding a bike just in a different direction type of thing. Sure, yeah. Those responders are more used to dealing with the information that you're giving them rather than having to deal with the public who might be their first um, interaction with the emergency services. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say over the years, I, I've been doing this for about five years now, um, that technology is certainly um, advanced, even in that small period of time. Um, and you know, one of the the biggest hurdles in dispatching and one of the biggest myths, I would say, when I'm talking to callers is that we know exactly where you are. We can map your precise location down to the, you know, uh, inches. Um, And that's just not true, right? Um, And I think that is one of the main reasons you probably got into creating emergency locate. Um, So just tell us a little bit about that in your journey into this um, company. So you're exactly right, Ashley. Um, The the misconception is there, I think, um, with the public and in some degree within EMS, um, 999 or 911. So you actually can do that. Um, It's just that we can't do that or we can't do it very well because Mm -hmm. of the rate at which technology becomes available to the emergency services because we can't just go out and you know buy a piece of software software it's not like you know it's not like microsoft word or excel and we just Mm -hmm. sit down and learn it and and use it it's got to work alongside cad we've got to consider how how dispatchers will view it on on the screens with radio systems 
and work alongside their ex- existing processes. So it's not so much a case that the tech that you can't do that. It's just that it's not easily available or accessible to um, to the people that, that need it, those dispatchers and telecommunicators. So um, during my journey, when I was call taking and dispatching, I was certainly frustrated. And bear, you know, this is 15 years ago that the, mm-hmm. that the technology wasn't there. Um, and in, in that in those days, it probably probably wasn't. Whereas now, it definitely is, um, mm-hmm. because you can you know you can see where your Uber is. Your Uber can find you. You can see what what stage of your journey your Domino's pizza is in the oven before it comes to you. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, but it's really difficult to find somebody that desperately needs um, emergency assistance. So there's been a couple of developments in the past few years that have been really interesting for the uh, emergency services uh, sector. So things like Rapid SOS, um, the recent announcement over there by AT&T to start um, providing location information over 999, uh, 911, apologies. So we've actually had that for quite some time now. Here in the UK, if you ring the emergency services on 999, and you've got a compatible phone, so a relatively recent iPhone or Android, the phone will check your GPS location and send a silent text message that you never see. It doesn't cost you anything. You don't have to do anything with it. It Sends the text message to the emergency services. It contains your location, and bang, we see it up on right in front of CAD. But when it works, it works exceptionally well. So Mm. normally I can tell which side of the street somebody is uh, is calling from with this. Wow. uh, with this ability and it's great you know we, we probably 90 percent of the time it's it, it's really good but like i say you've got to have the right you've got to have a relatively new phone um how you've used your phone um in the seconds and minutes before you make an emergency call really makes a difference uh, to mm-hmm. the accuracy that's provided because if you if you have a burner phone that you turn off and you go for a hike have an accident turn it on make an emergency call the GPS chip and the, the, the tech inside your phone isn't quick enough yet to be able to pinpoint your location accurately enough. So what gets mm. sent isn't, um, or sometimes cannot be that helpful. It's, sometimes it's only as good as like cell tower triangulation, which could be you know a couple of miles, which yeah. as we all know, you know that 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 doesn't really help anyone. So back in the day, I was um, I was dealing with incoming calls and, and experiencing this frustration. And as a, as, as a manager in the service now, I'm dealing with um, adverse incidents and reports and you know, negative media inquiries around why mm. we've still not been able to find a certain, you know, every now and again, why we've not been able to get the help that we need to get to the people that need it. So mm. pure, purely out of frustration, I thought, you know, there must be a way that we can take this technology and put it together in a way that is accessible to dispatchers um, doesn't upset control room uh, infrastructure. People don't need to install anything, don't need an app. And crucially, the requirement of the person making the emergency call is absolutely minimal. Mm. So what we really wanted to do was create a process whereby all you need to do is maybe push a link in a text message and the dispatcher can see where you are. Um, or some, you know, we, where we'd really like to go to is even less than that, but we're limited by the um by the constraints in the phone so things like you know privacy and and um, the security around location information it's you know it's absolutely right that that stuff exists and it's there but actually when it's an emergency it can, it can actually hinder you so we see 
one of the biggest obstacles to us successfully returning a caller's location it can be things like location permissions in your in your browser, which mm. people will routinely disable because of, because they're entitled to um, you know digital privacy and, and and security. But as I say, when you need to share that information in an emergency, it can be difficult, and we have to find ways to to undo that, which we which mm. we have done. So. That was um, that was felt like it was quite a lengthy answer there. <laughs> no, I mean it, it had a lot of great info. I mean, um, the the I don't think I've experienced a silent text message. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Interesting tech. Um, I know. Do you guys have text to nine one one over there as well, or nine nine nine? I guess it would be um, that kind of service. So we don't actually. Um, okay. No, we don't. Um, Emergency Locate does enable that. So if you're a, okay. if you're a customer, if you're a customer, then you can rip, you can send out a text message and begin a two-way um, conversation between the dispatcher and, and the caller. Uh, but it's not. There's never re- been anything that's that's um, really took off here in the UK. If I'm honest. Yeah, that's kind of like a newer thing for us. So when you said that um, it's in the silent text, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool because we we can initiate a text to nine one one with someone um and there are services like you mentioned emergency locate has that within the system trying to pinpoint that location you can initiate that text um but the fact that the phone carrier is kind of sending that silent notification um almost like an alarm company calling in an activation before um that's right that's that's awesome tech and, I, and I'm like, when are we going to get it? Um, you know, so that'll be super interesting when that finally does come over here. Um, what other services does Emergency Locate offer within the program? Kind of how does it work? You know what? Okay. So we we wanted to focus very much on location, and you know, we see some some other providers and other people in in our um, you know in our sphere um, really hooking into. Um, emergency services and you know, hey, we can do um, location. Um, sorry, we can do um, lang- we can translate languages, or we can give you video. And you know, mm-hmm. these days, that's not actually that difficult to to provide. If somebody's mm-hmm. holding a mobile phone and you're in front of a computer, it's not difficult to get the two to talk to each other and send whatever information you need. Um, but I believe that it's better to do one thing really well than a lot of things just averagely. When we look at something like CAD, you know, CAD does a huge amount of things. Yeah. And there's definitely some CADs that are better than others. But they do a lot and most of them do it gem- you know, well enough for us to do our jobs. But you know, mm-hmm. no one's no one's like, this is an amazing CAD. It does everything perfectly because, <laughs> yeah. because that sort of thing doesn't exist. So when I created Emergency Locate, I wanted to focus on location and make sure that it was doing exactly what we said it would do work mm-hmm. in really difficult circumstances and um, so things like you know your caller might not have um, mobile internet or they might not mm-hmm. be able to speak at all because they're in an active shooter scenario or they're you know they're medically compromised and you can't hear what they're saying clearly um so we wanted to yeah create a solution that sort of all encompassing as in can deal with anything that you throw at it but just looks at location. So the functionality within Emergency Locate itself, there's probably there's three key parts. The first is locating somebody via their smart device. 
The second would be converting known location information. So somebody might call into 911 and give you coordinates or what three words. We provide a way that converts that information into any other format you need, but crucially also gives you a um, what we call a dispatchable address. So for the risk, this is important to be able to firstly create the entry in CAD and secondly deploy the responders to the right location as well. So let's take the example of a what three words address. If you're given table, chair, spoon, and I don't I have no idea what that is, that's just one, uh, one I made up, and you put it into emergency locate, we'll give you all the other coordinate systems that, um, that result from that address, but also a dispatchable address, which might say something like, that, that uh, resolves to 200 meters north of one main street in whichever town. So you get a full address and a distance and a direction from that address that the responder needs to go to. So if you walk, if you walk that through as a responder, typically we're responding in vehicles, so we're using the road network. Mm-hmm. So we go to a physical address, and if we needed you know, two fields and through a forest away, over there somewhere, then we need to provide the responder with at very least a distance and a direction in which to go from, from the physical address. So we're giving them information that they can look around and see an address and then know which way to go and how far to go as well. But we also enhance that with a third part of our um, functionality, which is called um, SAR Deploy. And this is a way of generating a very concise um, web link that contains location information in it. Super easy to share with responders. You can integrate it into CAD, automate it. There's QR code. You can you can share it however you like. Um, but all it does is opens a dashboard on the responder's phone. They choose the app to navigate. They want to navigate with so Google Maps. Uh, what three words? But here in the UK, we're we're linked in with some um, digital mapping providers. So we have ordinance survey level mapping, which is really detailed. It shows every single path and fence and that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And gives them the ability to navigate once they're out of their vehicle. Because if you're mm-hmm. using emergency locate, it's probably a difficult location. It's not going to be a house or a building. Mm-hmm. It's going to be somewhere obscure. Um, so we, we use those three parts of the system together to locate where we need to go, convert the information that's convert the location information to something that's suitable and helpful to dispatch and responders and then enhance the capability of the responder to be able to get to exactly where it is that they needed and what we the the bit that i really like about what emergency locate has become is we can do that entire process from locating somebody that doesn't know where they are or can't clearly communicate where they are going through to CAD and out again the other side to a responder and having that responder arrive where they were needed without anybody ever verbally communicating any location information. So there's no risk of a what three words address being misheard or misspelled or a Mm. coordinate being typed incorrectly or somebody getting the wrong address or the responder not hearing the information correctly and going somewhere other than where they should have been. The process is seamless in that from location to arrival, there's mm-hmm. there's no chance of a of a mistake being brought into that into that chain, which is really powerful because you do not want a mistake um, to be brought into something uh, something as critical as an emergency situation, whether it's finding the person or getting somebody to that person. 
to um, to give them the, the assistance that they need. Before we continue, we wanted to take a moment to thank our partners at Prepared. You can learn more about the awesome support and technology Prepared provides to first responders by heading to prepared911.com. Partners like Prepared help to continue our mission of supporting, empowering, and educating the heroes under the headset. You can learn more about our resources and partnerships by heading to theraspydispatcher.com. Now let's get back to the show. This is awesome. And, you know, one thing I think that resonates is definitely, you know, doing one thing really, really well, because in the world of dispatch, we're constantly like octopusing it up, right? We're like doing all these things, trying to do all these things accurately as quick as possible in order to ensure that we get help to where it needs to go, the right resources, you know, ABC. And one of the the, one of the most important things or one of the most frequent things that I hear from callers is like, is someone coming? Are they on their way? How long until they get here? You know, so just reiterating the point that location, having that location and is the most, is most important to the caller and most important to the responders and the dispatchers, right? So it totally like makes sense that your company emergency locate is really focusing on doing that really really well um and not only that but being able to do that really really well increases our response time and i think more importantly and i just kind of realized this with another conversation that i had with another dispatcher yesterday um is that it decreases our trauma right so if i if I couldn't get there because of a lack of technology or a lack of, you know, I thought it was this way when it was that way. And then as a dispatcher, as a first responder, I was right there, but didn't get there in time. And it becomes a bad outcome that could have been changed by having a better location. You know, my trauma goes up, but if we have the technology like emergency locate to get there accurately quickly as possible in these extreme situations, then that reduces our trauma as well, which I think is an important part of having these systems. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, that's, you've hit the nail on the head there, actually. And and it's probably the, the part of working in emergency services that's, that's least well talked about. So our, our, our hashtag, if you like, on, on Twitter was actually to expand the toolbox because what we, what I believe is that there's, no one right tool for something like emergency locate. So if this was a sales pitch, I would absolutely say to you, go and look at Rapid SOS. Go and look at what your telco providers are doing to give you location information because most of the time it works really, really well. When it doesn't work, you need to look at something like emergency locate for for a bunch of different reasons. So it's about having um, a access to a range of tools and and for the dispatcher to be able to pick up the right tool for the job. And like you say, once those tools are used effectively and they're used in the right place, then it does reduce the trauma for those individuals, the trauma trauma for the responders that would be frustrated if they didn't get to the right place. Um, The whole whole communication between the responders and dispatch, because if, if 
the responder arrived at the wrong place because they were given the wrong information and that doesn't do relations between dispatchers and responders um, mm-hmm. any favors. Then you've got then you've things like negative um, negative media um, and of course the outcome for the for the people that are, are waiting for emergency assistance. And you can link all that back to things like recruitment and retention because mm-hmm. if we don't give our staff the right tools to do the job that we're asking them to do, you know, how can we be surprised when they burn out or they they get um, the experience trauma through the through the through the job? So, as, like I say, you know, it's really interesting to hear you at the start of the call say that you know in your in your part of the world that we can't do this um, because we definitely can't. The tools are there and they've been mm-hmm. created. It's yeah. just about making them available now. Um, and you know, it's a really exciting time to be in nine one one because there's some really big players like say rapid sos uh, what mm-hmm. three words that are that are providing solutions but nobody uh, not even emergency locate as can provide a tool that does everything brilliantly it's definitely mm-hmm. about having access to a range of tools and choosing the right tool for the situation that you're in mm-hmm. totally and i remember when i first started there was no rapid SOS or rapid deploy in my centers. Um, and then that was kind of like the first thing we started getting that. So before they, they came into our centers, the conversation that I had would have with, you know, callers is like, I don't know where you are. Like we have that Annie alley that comes through. It gives me meters. You know, this is kind of where I'm seeing you, but I need you to be more specific. I need landmarks. I need an actual physical address if you have one. Our tech does not work like the movies, you know. And then rapid deploys, rapid SOS started happening, and those started coming into the centers. And it was like, oh, this is this is more accurate. This is I could actually I feel more confident in providing this to my responders with, with telling them like, we have no voice contact, but this is what we were provided through these systems. So we feel a little better about that, right? Um, and then when you take it a step further and we're trying to make the systems even better and we're talking about emergency locate, um, this third kind of prong that you guys have this ability to give that information directly to the first responder when they step out of their vehicle. You know, I had situations where we're mapping on this huge, huge meters and my units are just like lost. They're out of their cars. They're not looking at their MDTs. You know, the geography's all all wonky. Um, so we would have to like, use our phones, send a screenshot, send an email to them so they could just have a visual. So the fact that you have created this like in the app, send the link, we could pull it up on our phone just the way we're walking using Google Maps to a GPS. I think that's that's a really, really exciting uh, tool that you've made available through Emergency Locate. No, thanks very much for the kind words. And I think that the, you know, the rationale really is about to create those tools is about keeping it as simple as possible for mm-hmm. both for the emergency caller, because if you can't find somebody, it's not the best time to be asking them to download an app or just, <laughs> you know, do whatever it is to yeah. go and put a, put a sign outside the house so that the responders can find you because, mm-hmm. you know, some people will do that, sure. Um, more people would download an app like What Three Words, but 
you're never going to get 100%. And mm-hmm. as um, you know, a provider of emergency uh, assistance or care, that really I feel that, um, and I, I feel comfortable saying this because I work within the sector, that really we need to own this problem and stop trying to have the public solve it for us. I think mm-hmm. we've got the responsibility to locate and respond to people that are asking us for help and not get ourselves in a position where I can't help you because you didn't download an app or you didn't, you don't have lighting outside your house or I can't see mm-hmm. the street sign on your road. You know, that's not their fault either. And mm-hmm. bear in mind, this is somebody that might be having the worst day of their life and they've asked us for help. So we need to make sure that we and our staff are equipped to help them. And the, the biggest part of that is, is identifying where they are and where they need help. Exactly. And I, I think that one of the, the bigger things is like, we're not talking to rational people, you know, when they call us at work, they're not, they're not having a good day. They're, they're stressed out. They're possibly a victim, possibly going through a medical emergency. So expecting rational responses or rational communication um, is, is out of the question. Like, We shouldn't expect someone who, you know, maybe was just assaulted or a physical altercation or can't breathe. Like, hey, can you go unlock your door? You know, like um, things like that. We need to have answers and tools to help them because those responses are going to be delayed. They're going to be inaccurate. Um, Not because that person doesn't want to help. It's because they're, they're in a state of panic essentially uh, they've got other things to deal with other than because <laughs> other than you know i'm sure you hear it as much as as we do you know stop asking me so many questions well actually the yeah. questions are really important but not not as important as finding where you are so mm-hmm. we need to make that part as easy as possible um and like i say the tools are available we just need to all of us be better at making sure the people that need those tools have, have, have got them when they need them. And so did you have any like previous software experience before like diving into this or did you just like find the need and like, I'm just going to, you know, I call it YouTube college and figure out how to create this, this technology. So there was, um, there was a little bit of, um, of luck on my part. Um, I did have some experience around, um, around, web framework developments um so that that basically i had enough education in that area to develop a prototype and then um then i outsourced the work to you know a professional that knows what they're doing to, um, <laughs> to pull together what we uh, what we have now and that again that's really important around making sure that when you provide these solutions you, you provide a system that does what you say it will do that is available to the people that need it when they need it. So things like resilience of our infrastructure, we outsource that to people that are specialists in infrastructure resilience for our code development. We outsource that to to a code development team as as well and make sure that it's tested, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I do a heap of work with with emergency locate and how to provide the training to the Mm -hmm. 911 centers so that we can make sure for those people that choose to choose to bring it into their um, their agencies 
that it's as easy as it possibly can be for a dispatcher to log in, do what they need to do and retrieve a location. Um, because we accept that it might not be every day that, um, that, you, that the staff um, use emergency locate, especially for those smaller centers. Um, and especially for those centers that have got access to things like rapid SOS, rapid deploy or, um, or telco um, location information. So because it's not used every day, it needs to be something that's as simple as possible and not forgetting that, you know, the dispatchers, call handlers, uh, telecommunicators are also working in a pressurized environment and dealing with a lot of difficult um, demands. So, you know, why make, we should make it as easy as possible because you guys are doing a really tough job as well. Totally. And one thing that I think is super relevant and that I try to express to folks who are trying to get into this field or thinking about getting into this field is that we all bring our own stuff and our own experience, right? So I think listening to your story and hearing about your company, it's kind of one of those situations where two things can exist at the same time. And the fact that they do exist at the same time have, have created something amazing, right? You know, your full-time career is in ambulance services. You, you found a love for this, um, but you also have a background in, you know, the web development. And so you bring that into dispatch as well. And then those two worlds collide and you have emergency locate, you know, and I think that's, we should acknowledge those things in the world of dispatch because like you said, we are responsible for creating a better 911 or 999 system as the folks who are sitting in it. Yeah, I suppose it's made me really um, observant around um, around the dispatchers and the, the call handlers that, that I see, uh, uh, you know, at uh, 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 real work. Um, where I see them doing that job and they, they might, you know, come away from a call or step away from the desk and say, you know what, it'd be so much better if we could do this or you know, I, I've got this thing that would work and it would do that. And I, I listen to those people and I say, it, you know, we've all been doing this for a really long time. Some of us are really, really long time. And 999 emergencies have been around for even longer. Mm-hmm. If there were any, any more good ideas to have, somebody would have already had them by now. But that's not to say that your idea is a bad one. So if you've got mm-hmm. an idea, talk about it. You know, if you can mm-hmm. bring some new experience from your personal life or your hobbies, um, and it would work well in the emergency services, then yeah, think about it and talk about it. And if it's something that you want to, you've got the time to be able to put together, then definitely do it because that is where the good ideas of the future will come from. Because we couldn't do that in the, in the past with te- mm-hmm. with the. De- developments of technology things like you know iphones and the access to tech that we've got now it's opened a whole new um, realm of possibilities that as emergency services we should be looking to uh, to exploit and make available to our staff and, uh, and the public um in it in, in, you know in a, in a relevant and safe and secure way Awesome. Well, where do people find you? How do they find out more about Emergency Locate? Where should they go? Okay, so I'm on LinkedIn an awful lot. So I'm just my full name, Nick Sutton, Emergency Locate. Or you can get us on Facebook and Twitter at Emergency Locate. And uh, the website is emergencylocate.co.uk. 
Awesome. And I'll include all that information in the link as well. So you guys don't have to rush to write it down. Um, and, you know, I'm definitely a toolbox uh, equipper. That That's one of my things that I like to say as well. So with that, and just, uh, you know, to sum it all up, what is something that you could say to current or aspiring dispatchers um, that you think would be useful to add to their tool belt? Um, that you wish someone told you early in your career or something that you'll find that they would find helpful? Oh, okay. That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> so I think that the thing I would say actually is pro- it's probably not a tool um, or, or, you know, something that would maybe help in the job that they're doing. But one thing that I see a lot in, um, in dispatch and, you know, in emergency control center environments is people come into dispatch or call handling and they might spend a bit of time there. And if they think it's not for them, then predominantly where those people go is, um, we say out on the road in the UK, so or over to you know ops. So like a, um, a medical dispatcher for the ambulance service will go and do their ambulance training so they can go out and be a clinician. And I think in dispatch, people tend to see that as the only route and it's not. There's so much more that goes on in your agencies outside of dispatch that with your the experience that you've got in dispatch, you can make a real difference, whether that's um, you know, risk and resilience or training or management. And you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't ever try and put anybody off going to do what they you know, if they want if they want to go and be a policeman because they've done police dispatch, awesome. If that's what you're gonna do. But I tend to see I think I get a feeling that people think that's the only the dispatchers think that's the only thing that they can do and that's not accurate. There's much more going on in, in, in your agency. So, you know, definitely look around and see what you can do as a dispatcher and how your experience can help change things because you know, change it wherever wherever you work, um, change is needed. We've got to keep changing because we've got to keep up. We've got to make sure we look after our staff, we give them the tools that they need to do their job. And we're as best as we can be for the people that, that need us. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nick, for joining me today all the way from the UK. I really appreciate you jumping on with me. No, thank you very much for having me. I've really enjoyed myself. Awesome. I'll be right back with you, okay? Okay, take care. All right, everybody, that was another episode here on Let's Talk Dispatch with me, the Raspy Dispatcher, Nick Sutton, Emergency Locate, all the way from the UK. Such a great, great program and such an interesting chat. I really enjoyed it. If you're interested in hopping on Let's Talk Dispatch with me, uh, send me a message, head to the raspydispatcher.com. I would love to talk to you about anything and everything dispatch related. Of course, subscribe to our YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, and of course, follow us on Instagram. Until next time, stay raspy, everybody. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Let's Talk Dispatch. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube at The Raspy Dispatcher, follow us on Instagram, and check out Let's Talk Dispatch anywhere you listen to podcasts. I'll see you next time, and stay raspy.